0: This is Cruise Radio.
1: Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com
0: studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio.
1: Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here, my friend. Get a review of Disney Dream this week. Also, Cruise Critic just released their Cruiser's Choice Destination Awards, so Ashley Kashulik from Cruise Critic will be here to give us the rundown on those awards. Plus, Sherry Kennedy is here with Cruise News, as always. Before we get to Sherry, don't forget about our Cruise Radio News Facebook group. Yeah, come in there and kick around the cruise conversation you're a lively bunch, and I like it. Keep it coming. All right, hey Sherry. Hey Doug. So our first story: a bad cruise situation turned good.
2: Yeah, the story started out. Um, well, this her name is Nancy Greathouse, and her husband Paul. They've planned this retirement trip of a lifetime for both of them, and uh, she's been ill for quite a while. She has been. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer, but with her doctor's approval, the Greathouses flew from their home in Maryland and boarded a Carnival ship. We're on a two-week cruise in Alaska, but midway through the cruise, um, she also suffers from uh, a muscular degenerative disease called myasthenia gravis, mm-hmm. and it flared up during the cruise. And it was so bad that she couldn't breathe; she needed to be on a ventilator. So she was airlifted first to a hospital in Juneau, and she received, you know, a medical treatment right away. But the hospital in Juneau. Could not treat her appropriately, so they medevaced her up to Anchorage to Alaska Regional Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, her son Dan set up a GoFundMe page, and this is really amazing. You know, the poor woman was just too weak to walk; she couldn't even stand. It's only been 15 days that the GoFundMe account was set up, and the reason it was set up, you know, because you know why would you do that? She'd been in the hospital in critical care for 20 days; she was fighting to stay alive. And she had just about come to the end of her Medicare coverage before this, what's called a lifetime benefit kicks in. And once that does, it's your rest of your benefits are gone. Her son set up this GoFundMe account. And within 15 days, I just checked now, 933 people have raised $60,510 of a requested $55,000. So yeah, hopefully she will have her Air transport, the you know the medical transport, uh, in effect today or tomorrow, because she has to leave Anchorage by July 27th to prevent this lifetime maximum Medicare benefit from kicking in.
1: This speaks volumes about the cruise community and the the. People in general who just donated 5 or 10 or $20 to help this woman get home because, yeah, we could have said she should have had travel insurance and all that, but it exceeds that and it's all about her and her comfort and safety at this point.
2: Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, people can be pretty nice when something like this happens.
1: Carnival Cruise Line is expanding their keyless embarkation to more ships. What do we have here?
2: Well, currently it's on six Carnival ships and it includes what? The Glory, Sensation, the Victory, the Vista, and the Splendor. And basically... Um, it, it was this whole procedure was set up so that mm, people would be whisked through embarkation mm-hmm. more quickly than it is now. But, you know, I don't know how much time it is saving, but basically you check in as normal as you would, you know, and you give them your credit card. And rather than getting your key card, <clears throat> you're given a, a temporary sort of like a boarding pass that has your credit card keyed into it. So that if you do board before your stateroom is ready, because they're timed, as you know most people know by now or maybe not, um, you can go to the bar and get a drink before you go to your stateroom. And uh, it's going to be rolled out again at the end of this month on the uh, Freedom, the Valor and the Breeze. So uh, it'll be a little bit of a new procedure on those three ships and hopefully all will go well.
1: I will say this: I used this program on Carnival Vista back in May. I checked in at the airport. I literally went from the airport through security at the cruise port and walk right onto Carnival Vista. So I think this key, lar- uh, this Key Largo keyless embarkation thing is brilliant.
2: Well, that's great, and you yeah. know, people have voiced some concerns, as as you might have guessed, um, mm. you know, worried that someone's going to steal their their boarding pass that's in the little slot outside of their stateroom. But uh, apparently all's going well.
1: Yeah, but there's also redundancy programs and processes against anything like that happening. Like it's not going to work if you haven't checked in yet. Or if you try to use someone's card to get a drink, your picture is going to pop up. They're going to be like, hey, this is not you. But anyway, I digress. Disney Cruise Line has added a seventh ship now.
2: Yeah, Disney just announced this week that they'll be adding a seventh ship to their already four that are floating around the world um, tour. Already on order also, Um, the three ships are expected to launch consecutively in 2021, 22, and 23. They're all sister ships, and man, I'll be so old by then. (laughs) And do you have any ideas for names? I I can't even imagine what they could come up with next.
1: Well, you say imagine, so I say Disney Imagination, because everything's about imagination down there. And also maybe the Disney Kingdom. I don't know, Animal Kingdom and... It's like a Magic kingdom, kingdom on board. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. don't
2: know. I was thinking of, uh, what did I think, of Illusion?
1: Disney Illusion, I like that. Okay, MSC Cruises has changed their final payment policy to what?
2: Well, according to a memo that travel agencies have recently received, MSCs now requires final payment to be paid 30 days earlier than it had been in the past. Um, it began on July 17th and now changes... To the final payment date went from 60 days out before departure to 90 days prior to departure. Wow. Yeah, ouch, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's not the, they're not the first cruise line to change um, what used to traditionally always be just plain old 60 days. Uh, Royal Caribbean and Carnival are both 75 days out, and uh, Norwegian Cruise Line is 90 days out also, so they want your money sooner. Yeah.
1: Final talking point here, Sherry, and I'm sure, you, did you see the video of the kid jumping from the Lido deck on Princess into the pool?
2: I did see it. I, I was, it was mesmerizing to watch this ridiculous event. It was, you just couldn't take your eyes off the screen.
1: Yeah, we, we talked about it on the bonus episode on Monday. If you uh, haven't heard that episode, go back and give it a listen. But I don't know. Do you think the cruise line is going to ban this
3: family?
2: Oh, they should. I don't, you know, I don't know who, who all was actually traveling except for those two boys that did the video. I know there's, there has to be parents or aunts and uncles or something. I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to find out what the cruise line finally does.
1: Yeah, I agree. We'll leave it at that. If you want to find out more, check out the bonus episode we released on Monday of Cruise Radio. All right, Cherry, you up for answering a listener question? send it over. All right, Glenn from Canada says, "Hey Doug, I figure you may know this. What is a good European SIM to get that has data coverage? My Canadian telco has ridiculously high rates in Europe." Now, before I toss it to you, Sherry, Glenn, I'm flattered that you think I might know this, but I have <laughs> no clue about this. So, Sherry, you spend a couple of months a year in Europe. Give me your thoughts.
2: Well, I think he's he's on the right track cuz as we know from our experience with uh, our carriers here in Europe. I've come home to twelve hundred dollar phone bills. You probably have two, and so as you know, half the traveling and cruising public. So basically, he is definitely on the right track. Um, what he should do is—it doesn't sound like he can get an unlocked phone uh, where he is. I don't know, but you do have to have the proper phone. It has to either be a phone, a cheapy phone that you purchase in Europe. And you, and which is unlocked, or you have to be able to unlock your phone. And then once he's over there, there's a couple of brands, and I did a little bit of research, so I had names of brands. One is called Labara, mm-hmm. and the other is a Mo- Mobile or Leica Mobile, um, and they will work in several of the European countries. You can buy them at magazine stands, at tobacco shops, which are really like glorified magazine stands. Um, some uh, electronic shops. You can go into department stores, and you can find them there. But uh, and the cost is, is pretty cheap to get a SIM card. But um, you know, it's it's kind of tricky. They're teeny tiny little things, as you probably know. And I had a problem a couple of years ago. I was in Germany, and I wanted to buy um, a little cheapy phone. Um, my 18t phone at that point was not unlocked, so went up to the counter. We opened the package. We went through all the rigmarole to set up a sim and then he says, can I see your passport? I said, what? <laughs> you know, I had walked about a mile to find this shop and it was cold out. It was winter in Germany. So I just said, oh, to heck with it. And I left and I didn't come back because um, River Cruise was leaving the next day. So always bring your passport with you if you're going to try to buy a phone in Europe. You may not need it, but he said they had to record everything.
1: Huh, that, that's interesting. I, I guess it, it does make sense, but I never really even thought about that.
2: Yeah, it doesn't cost. I mean, you don't have to present a passport to buy a SIM card. Right. But they asked me for my passport when I wanted to buy um, one of those little portable phones. So, Just, yeah, I'm curious.
1: What did you pay for your portable phone? Because I've seen them in kiosks for as low as 25 euro.
2: Oh, yeah. This was between 25 and 30 maybe because it had extra little feature, maybe a plug for a headset or something. Gotcha. So, Glenn, um, if you're going to buy a phone over there, bring your passport with you when you go to purchase it.
1: We were talking about prepaid gratuities last week and why we prepay. got an email from Rich, and Rich says, Another reason I pay for prepaid gratuities is you lock in the price early in case the cruise line hikes the service charge. He said, Additionally, you talked about a foreign transaction fee. I usually use my AAA credit card from Bank of America, and it has no foreign transaction fees. So uh, both good points there, Rich.
2: They are, and and that foreign transaction fee can add up, especially if you're making lots of little purchases and it's dinging you every time.
1: Been talking with Sherry Kennedy from cruisemaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug.
0: You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the
1: iHeartRadio Talk Network. So every year cruisecritic.com has the Cruisers Choice Destination Awards. So these awards name the top 15 cruise destinations worldwide. Here to talk about some of this year's winners is Ashley Kashulik, an editor at cruisecritic.com. Hey, Ashley.
0: Hey Doug, how are you?
1: Good. So, uh, how are these awards picked? Who actually picks these winners?
0: Um, they're all chosen by Cruise Critic members. Uh, when they come to our site and leave cruise reviews, they have the option to review ports and destinations as well. So, all of this is uh, strictly based on their thoughts uh, about different ports.
1: All right, so let's do like the top five, okay? Perfect. Who was the best Eastern Caribbean port?
0: Kings Wharf took that one. They were also allowed to leave comments, of course, when they when they review the ports, and they have lots of great things to say about how beautiful it is. It's very convenient. Um, it's easy to navigate. Uh, you can easily get to Hamilton, which is the capital of Bermuda. So you can accomplish a lot in one day, which is usually what you have for a ship visit. There are some ships that overnight there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that provides a little more opportunity to explore, but overall, uh, they have some great beaches and lots of other fun stuff. Yeah. I
1: think Bermuda is known for what, the the pink sand beaches? Is that it? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. And they have a great ferry system over there too.
0: They do. Yep. Yep.
1: So let's talk about Alaska. So many awesome ports and things to do. Who took home that award?
0: Glacier Bay gets Mm -hmm. the award for Alaska. Um, Absolutely gorgeous. Lots of opportunity to see glaciers. If you're lucky, you'll even get to see them calving when they um, break apart and fall into the water gorgeous, big blue mountains. And it's, it's a bucket list experience for a lot of people.
1: I tell people, and it's like you always, people discount Alaska cruises a lot. They Oh, it's so far away or why cruise up there? But it's like when you're there, you're living in a postcard almost.
0: Yes. It's worth the expense in my opinion. And, yeah. and um, it is one of those once in a lifetime trips where you can, it's just wildlife and mountains and gorgeous scenery everywhere you look.
1: And speaking of once-in-a-lifetime trips, who won the award for Hawaii?
0: Kauai is the winner for Hawaii. Um, Again, super just beautiful scenic places to visit um canyon being one of them Uh, a lot of people seem to rent cars for the day while they're there and sort of drive around and see the sights Um, it's also very relaxing if you just want to find a beach and go pull up a chair and work on your tan (laughs) and
1: that's where uh, pride of america goes there weekly right Yes. all right well let's move east to uh, the canada new england region who took home the award there
0: Quebec City wins for Canada, New England. Uh, It's got a great European vibe. You'll hear lots of people speaking French if you go for a visit there. Uh, It's great for walking. You'll see some pretty awesome-looking historic cobblestone streets. Um, It's great for foodies, and there's an awesome wine scene there, too. So if you're at all into French food definitely mm-hmm. consider booking a cruise with this as a stop on your itinerary.
1: Plus, the, uh, those Canada-New England cruises are good for, what do they call it, leaf peeping up there?
0: Yes. Yeah. The colors in the fall are absolutely stunning. It's definitely worth a look if you're at all into nature. You're up in
1: that area in the Northeast. What month of the year do the leaves start turning? Does it vary? It depends.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, it varies by weather. Um, if it's, uh, If it starts to get chillier earlier in the season, then they'll change earlier. Um, but it's usually somewhere between like late September, early October.
1: Good to know. We have time for one more here. Who took home the award for Best Private Island?
0: Castaway Key, which is Disney's private island in the Bahamas, is the big winner there great for uh, both families and people without children. There's areas just for adults. There's places where if you are an adult with your children, you can go hang out together. And then there are places just for kids, which kind of makes it great for everyone. They have a free barbecue lunch uh, at several places on the island. And the food is fantastic. Service is great. Lots of really pristine beaches where you can go hang out little shops and they also do a 5k on the island which is pretty neat so if you're looking to work off some of those pounds that you may have put on at the buffet it's a good option for you in the morning before you start your day
1: yes sign me up for the 5k also notable they have a cruise pier there
0: yes that is a big plus especially if you've got kids sometimes it's not fun to try to take them on a tender boat
1: you were just there like a couple of months ago weren't you
0: I was, yes, uh, for two days, actually, which was nice to kind of have two days to absorb all the cool stuff there.
1: We've been talking with Ashley Koshulik, editor at CruiseCritic.com. If you want to read the full list of the 15 awards that were given out this year, check them out in the show notes at CruiseRadio.net. Ashley, always good talking to you, my dear. Have a good one.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Doug.
1: From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay?
0: ParkWest West makes us excited to spend money on art.
2: To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon.
0: Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net.
1: So Mitchell and his wife just returned from a five-night cruise on Disney Dream out of Port Canaveral, Florida. It was their honeymoon cruise. Mitchell's on the line right now. All right now, hey bud.
3: Hey Doug, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, by the way, congratulations on the marriage, man.
3: Oh, thanks so much.
1: <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about this honeymoon cruise you did aboard Disney Dream. But I got to ask you. Um, so you've cruised a lot. Your wife cruised um, one time prior to this. So what went into planning this cruise?
3: When I started planning it, we were kind of trying to come up with a, a vacation that everyone would would like that we both would like. So I'm really big into cruising. She's really big into Disney, kind of the parks and and that type of thing. So I wanted to get a little bit of both. So we actually ended up doing, um, about two days at Disney in Orlando and then driving to Port Canaveral to get on a cruise. She gets the Disney aspect of the cruise. I get the cruise aspect of the cruise. (laughs) So it makes both of us happy. Um, I ended up doing a lot of the research Mm -hmm. kind of beforehand. I had been on a Disney cruise before, but of course it was her first. So I wanted to make sure that there was uh, a lot of things she would enjoy as well.
1: I have no experience in planning a honeymoon cruise, so I want to ask you, did anything extra go into planning this cruise?
3: So we did a couple of extra things in planning it. Disney doesn't typically offer a two-top table mm-hmm. uh, for couples. They typically offer it in four, and we'll seat two couples there. I wanted to make sure we had a special honeymoon type of thing, so I went ahead and, and contacted the cruise line beforehand, uh, got them to give us a, a two-top table. Uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, And we found a a lot of kind of special moments throughout the cruise where you you let them know that it's your honeymoon or something special before you get on board and, and they really take care of you.
1: Did you do the Disney transfer service where you went right from the park and they brought you to the ship, the Magical Express, I guess it's called or whatever it is?
3: Uh, we did not. No, okay. we were The hotel we were staying at didn't offer it. We were at the Dolphin, and they're one of the only mm-hmm. hotels that doesn't offer the transfer service. Okay. So you make
1: your way to Port Canaveral. Um, how was your embarkation for Disney Dream?
3: Man, embarkation was really smooth. Uh, probably one of the smoothest embarkations I've been on uh, for any cruise line. We arrived at about ten fifteen a.m. at the port. Disney does the staggered check-in time, so you come throughout the day. We were actually one of the first groups. Terminal opened right at 10.30 uh, and, we got in there. We were one of the first groups to get on board. And then while you wait in the terminal, Disney has character appearances and they come out and greet you and we'll take pictures with you and all that stuff. And we began boarding, I want to say right around eleven thirty. So it was only about an hour from the time the terminal opened to getting on board. It's really well.
1: Did you have any priority boarding privileges being a past guest?
3: Being a past cruiser, you get, Really, the only thing you get in the terminal is like a special line. So they allow you to skip some of the other lines and and just get checked in real quick. I think that helped us to get on faster, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's not really any incredibly special things that they have for past guests.
1: You make your way on board Disney Dream. What were your first impressions?
3: Man, as you walk into the lobby uh, of a Disney ship, I think it's a really, truly unique experience because they – they grab your name, your family's last name, uh, when you get on board and they announce you. And so as you're walking onto the ship, they say, please welcome. In this case, they said, welcome the Brown family. And we walk on and there's cast members there to greet you. There's other passengers who are kind of waiting to clap you into the ship. Uh, and, and Disney really has done kind of a classic take on the lobby. Mm-hmm. There's not uh, really a bar in the center of the lobby like a lot of ships have. It's really uh, – it reminds you of one of those classic style ships that you would see uh, – in just kind of throughout history.
1: Yeah, like an ocean liner or so.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: Imagine being the person that has to announce every family's name, like what, 1,200 families? (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a big task.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, So what did you do when you got on board? What was the first thing you did?
3: First thing, my priority on any cruise is eating. Mm -hmm. I like to get on early and start eating early. Uh, So we went up to the Lido deck where they have uh, their buffet kind of restaurant which is called Cabana's Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's kind of uh it's kind of Finding Nemo themed kind of like a pier themed style restaurant Uh, and and as we got up there we were up there so early it wasn't even open yet we had to wait uh, about 20 minutes I would say before they had everything up and ready to go um got a meal by the time we were finished with that it was about time to go to our room so they were really on top of things that day Uh, we didn't really have any hiccups
1: you uh, said it was time to go to your room. Does Disney make you wait for a certain time before you can go to your stateroom and check into it?
3: They do. They do the typical uh, about one thirty p.m. or 2 p.m. We'll have your rooms ready type mm-hmm. of thing. And and the thing I noticed about Disney is they don't make an announcement like some of the other cruise lines do. Cool. So they don't really tell you, hey, your room is now ready. Everyone can go to their room. I think they just kind of let you wander down there and figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's what we did, and it worked out perfect for us.
1: Which is also nice because no one wants to hear announcements all day anyways, you know?
3: That's right. Yeah. yeah and totally. it avoids the, the sudden rush of everyone trying to get down the stairs or in the elevators to their room. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what kind of cabin did you book? So we went back and forth on this one when we were booking. Uh, my my wife doesn't really cruise. So with that in mind, I, I wanted something that was a, a nice room, but also a great spot on the ship. Um, because there's nothing worse than... Um, being at the very front of a big ship and having to walk a long way to an elevator or back after dinner, um, or the same with being at the very back of a ship. Um, So what we ended up deciding on was the deluxe inside stateroom uh, on deck eight midship. What makes it deluxe? You get with every inside stateroom, they do the virtual porthole, which is essentially like they've, they've decked out a screen to make it look like a porthole. And you actually get a live streaming camera of what's going on outside from the front of the ship. Uh, And then to add the special Disney take on things, they have some of the animated characters uh, fly in. So Tinkerbell will show up and sprinkle some pixie dust (laughs) and something magical happens on the screen. Um, But I think the biggest part of a deluxe inside stateroom is the split bathroom. Mm -hmm. I think Disney's one of the only lines to do the split bathroom. So they have – they've actually split the bathroom into two. And one side is just a sink. Uh, and, and a mirror and a and a toilet. And then the other side, you get the same. You get another sink uh, and a mirror. But on this side, you get a, a tub as well. Okay. So you get kind of two things. It's really nice, I think, for larger families. But even just for us getting ready for dinner and things like that, it gave us a little bit of space to get into a small bathroom on a ship.
1: Yeah. What did you think of the space inside the cabin?
3: Uh, it was a good size, especially for a couple. I don't think we had any problems with it i 'm kind of one of those people i, I don 't spend a lot of time in my cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sleep there, you know, grab some room service there, take a nap there, but most of the time, I like to be out on the decks or or doing activities. So
1: did you do any specialty dining on the sailing?
3: Hey, yeah, we did. Uh, we wanted to do something special, of course, it being our honeymoon, uh, but i don 't like to miss the the nighttime dining mm-hmm. and, and so much of the specialty dining happens in the evening. Um, Disney actually offers a brunch through their specialty restaurants. So we did a brunch at Palo, which is one of the adult-only restaurants. And man, what an incredible experience that is. Um, The view is beautiful. The service is incredible. Um, It's a really special experience. And I think my wife really enjoyed it.
1: I got to ask you, though, what kind of food was served at brunch?
3: So it's kind of a – I felt it was kind of a modern Italian. But Mm -hmm. it was interesting the way that they did it uh, because they had – They have almost a a small buffet with hors d'oeuvres that they want you to go through first. So you go through and get pastries and some seafood and things like that, uh, and then they sit you down and give you a full menu. And So they really wanted you to have the full experience. They bring you drinks. uh, They bring you whatever you want from the buffet, and then they want you to order a couple of things off of the brunch menu, which featured some kind of Italian breakfast, Mm -hmm. uh, and then also some French lunch items as well.
1: Okay, nice.
3: And What was that cost? Uh, I want to say it was. I want to say it was only like thirty or forty dollars. Okay. Uh, and I felt I felt it was a really good value. Yeah. For for it including a drink and two different styles of food as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, the main dining room experience. Talk to us about that. What you think of it?
3: I really enjoyed the dining experience. Uh, a lot of people know that Disney does rotational dining. You know, which means you get to eat at a different themed restaurant every night, and your waitstaff kind of follows you to each restaurant. Um, I really enjoy that type of dining. I like eating in the same restaurant each night, but I think it gives you such a different experience each night Mm -hmm. uh, that it really brings something different to the table. Uh, The food was great. I think the thing I was most impressed with was the curation of the menu because the selection was smaller each night, but I felt there was uh, a great variety of things that I was happy with. So even though there wasn't as many items to choose from, I felt that they had a good variety of different items. So every night I found something I really liked.
1: Out of the three dining rooms, which one did you like the most?
3: Uh, so they have Animator's Palette, they have Royal Palace, and they have Enchanted Garden. Okay. Man, I really liked Enchanted Garden. It's, it's kind of a simpler theme. Uh, it's, it's kind of based on the idea that as you walk in, everything is lit as if you're in a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a day light type atmosphere. And as you eat, it turns to night, so you see the sunset. And then as, after you're, you're finished eating, uh, it's, it's kind of dark, which is really nice. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice kind of simple experience. I really liked the food in there. I thought it was kind of a modern American style, uh, which is what I'm most interested in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Were there any like pizza or burger joints around the ships, aside from like cabanas and the like specialty restaurants and all that?
3: Oh, of course. Up, up on the Lido deck, you've got everything from uh, pizza. You've got, you know, kind of a chicken finger and, and bar area for burgers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a pretty large a variety of ice cream, which I really enjoyed. They had four or five flavors at a time. Um, So you can kind of really get a good variety of that there. And you've got kind of those classic things up on a deck that you would see on on a Carnival or Royal Caribbean ship.
1: Now, uh, let's switch gears here and talk about entertainment. Uh, What did you think about the entertainment provided on this five-night cruise?
3: I think the entertainment was great. It was exactly what you would expect from Disney. You're not just getting a a different cabaret show or some sort of entertainer each night, although I enjoy those – Many nights you're getting a full Broadway-style Disney show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I highly recommend those. Even without kids, we found ourselves at them, I think, almost every night just because there's so many different options for entertainment, um, but those are the most grand, uh, and we really enjoyed them. On top of that, uh, Disney has its own movie theater, and that, that shows first-run Disney films starting the day they're released. <laughs> wow. So when we were on there, uh, there were a couple of new movies that were out. We didn't actually end up going to any of them, Um But I think it's a great option, especially for families.
1: Let me ask you, being an adult on your honeymoon on the Disney
3: Dream, did you feel like there were too many kids on board? I think Disney's definitely catering to families, but specifically for adults, I found that there was a lot of different activities for adults on board. Uh, I really enjoyed the adult entertainment. Something I really like is that Disney has almost an entire deck of their ship dedicated to adult activities. So bars, nightclubs, that type of thing. Uh, and that really, I think, allows you to get away from – if you're thinking there's too much family stuff going on or, or you want to get away from kids, it gives you a lot of room to spread out and do kind of your own thing. So they've got four or five different bars that each have a completely different theme, uh, and that allows it to to not get old. Each night you can do a completely different experience or you can do a few of them in one night if you want to.
1: I imagine being in the middle of summer, there were a lot of kids on the sailing. So did you find like um – um your little peaceful spot to kind of get away then?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we spent a lot of time on the back portion of the ship. There is an adults-only area mm-hmm. that was really, really nice. Um, some of the most comfortable chairs I think I've ever sat in. And we spent a lot of time there just kind of looking at at the water, just enjoying the view, and, and it's it's really quiet back there. We thought it was really, really nice.
1: This was a unique sailing because you actually went twice to Castaway Key. Um, did you have any sea days on this sailing?
3: Yeah, we had one sea day. I think this itinerary is interesting because you you really only get one true sea day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the day that you embark as – and I, I would kind of classify that as a sea day. But you don't get a full sea day except for one on the way back to uh, Cape Canaveral.
1: Gotcha.
3: So we, we got to stop at Nassau once and we get our, our two stops at Disney's private island, Castaway K, which I really enjoy. But you only really get one sea day. And some of my favorite days on a cruise are actually sea days. It's a nice chance to spend some time at sea. You don't really have a schedule of things to do off the ship. Uh, We really took our time that day. That was the day we actually did Palo brunch and we did a champagne tasting in the afternoon.
1: Cool. So what did you think of this ship? Like how did it handle um, on the sea day with everybody on board going between the entertainment venues and the the food venues and all that?
3: You know, I didn't think it was too crowded. Mm -hmm. Sometimes on a ship, especially up on, on deck, you feel that there's a lot of people up there and you can't really get around. I didn't really notice a time where I felt that there was too many people in one spot or there was too much going on. So I think that's great. I think that's exactly what Disney wants. Talk to us about
1: Castaway Key. You, you spent two days there, so what did you do each day?
3: Yeah, I want to really talk about Castaway Key for a second because Disney does such a great job of theming their attractions and their theme parks, and I think that carries over so well onto their private island. Uh, the island is essentially split into two parts uh, it's got a family beach, and then it's got the adult beach, like many of the islands do. Because we had two days there, we spent a day at each. I wanted to really get a feel for the differences between each of the beaches. So the family beach offered snorkeling, uh, had some jungle gym type structures for kids to play on. uh, And it has a a special buffet that they only serve on the island. I think we had a really good time there. We ended up snorkeling for a lot of the day. They've got a pretty large lagoon with some different structures under the water that attract fish. Uh, And then I didn't think it was too crowded either. I I thought there was a lot of different spots you could hang out. uh, And there was more than enough Beach chairs and activities to keep everyone kind of occupied okay did you
1: what did you think of the like uh like the barbecue or whatever food option they offer there?
3: I really enjoyed the barbecue. I think it's a little misleading being from Oklahoma mm. uh we eat a lot of barbecue uh and, and I think it was more it's more like a grill out is what I would call it. It's burgers and hot dogs and some some barbecue items like ribs and beans, but um it's missing like the classic barbecue style pulled pork or right. or something like that. So
1: what'd you do in Nassau? Uh,
3: You know, we got off in Nassau pretty briefly. It was raining that day. uh, And personally, I don't think there's a ton to do in Nassau if you're not booking an excursion. If you've got an excursion to be at, there's a lot of options and that will take you kind of away from the port to different beaches and you can go to those types of places. We ended up just walking around kind of their central shopping area, grabbing a few souvenirs and and getting back on the boat.
1: Did you do a drink package on this sailing?
3: Uh, We didn't do a drink package. Uh, we were kind of hesitant on what to book because we didn't know how much we were going to drink. We ended up drinking a lot, but a lot of it was the drink of the day, which I highly recommend on any cruise ship. Yeah, um, but especially yeah. on Disney, It they've got a lot of different bars. And so you don't feel like you're getting the same thing every day. Uh, and even some of the bars offer different drinks of the day, which is nice.
1: So you get back to Port Canaveral. How was your debark process?
3: You know, our disembarkation process from Dream was pretty smooth. Uh, We were actually headed to Universal Studios that day. So we got up early, waited for what Disney calls Express Walk-Off. And a lot of the cruise lines offer this. This essentially allows you to get your luggage carried off the boat uh, and get out of there. And Disney really got us off pretty early. It was about 7.15 a.m. that we got out. Uh, and they just let you line up in the lobby and get right off the boat. So that worked out great for us.
1: What was the customs experience like there?
3: Oh, man, it it was really smooth. Yeah. I, I, it took no time at all. I think being one of the first people off the boat and having all of our stuff really helped uh, because you're you're not having to fight with so many of the families and stuff like that. But I think we were in and out of there in 10 or 15 minutes. How did you
1: transfer it back over to Orlando? Just curious.
3: Uh, we ended up just hopping on an Uber. Uber. So there's there's so many different transportation options at any of the ports, especially at Cape Canaveral. But Uber worked really well for us, and that was able to get us right to our hotel in Orlando.
1: This was your wife's second cruise. Do you think she'll do a third?
3: Oh, I think she's really into it. Yeah. Which is good, because I'm really into it. Uh, so I'm glad she found some things she liked. Uh, she still, to this day, talks about things she enjoyed. She'll bring it up, which I really like.
1: Any first-time tips for someone sailing Disney Dream?
3: Uh, I think one of the biggest things, if you're going with children, I think it's easier because you've got kids who will pull you to do all sorts of things. As adults without children, we were kind of hesitant at first to attend activities like character meet and greets or character breakfast type things. And I, I think you shouldn't be. There's so many different types of activities on board, but really they're all open to anyone. So even as uh, adults on a honeymoon with, without kids, uh, we found ourselves throughout the cruise at character meet and greets and all sorts of that Disney stuff. And we really enjoyed it. So that would be my tip is don't be hesitant to get in on every type of activity.
1: Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you?
3: Uh, you know, Disney does what they call Pirate Night on, on really all of their ships. And that, I think, is a really unique experience that you don't get on many other cruise lines. They do a show up on deck. Of course, all the Disney characters, Mickey and Minnie are all there. But I think the biggest thing is they shoot fireworks off of the ship uh, and allow all the guests to enjoy it uh, up on deck, which is really a cool experience. Uh, And it it really is themed throughout the whole night. Your dinner menu is a pirate night menu. Everyone's dressed in pirate gear all day. I really enjoyed it. And man, people get into it.
1: (laughs) Did you guys pack your pirate gear?
3: We did not – they give you a patch and Uh and a bandana. They give everyone on the ship one of those, and that worked for us. I think that was enough uh, for us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Well, uh, in closing here, Mitchell, what are your final thoughts of Disney Dream?
3: Man, it's a great ship. The last one I went on was The Magic back in 2008. So I I haven't really gotten to experience the new era of Disney cruising yet. And, man, they're building new ships every day, but – Uh, The Disney Dream is a phenomenal ship. It's got a a lot of different options, something kind of for everyone. uh, And I, I think we'll be back on it real soon.
1: Well, man, congrats again on getting married. And thanks for sharing your review with us. Hey, thanks so much. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. I know you thought the show was over and it kind of is, but could you do me a favor? Could you go into iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn app, however you're listening to the show and leave me a review. It doesn't matter if it's a one star or five star, I prefer five star, uh, but it really helps the visibility of this show. So yeah, reviews are great. And thank you so much again for being here week after week. It means so much. All right, now the show's over.